the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Crosswalk Colorado Screens on 100.7 The Word. Here's your host, Bob Bender. Amen. Going down to the river to pray. One of my favorite songs and my wife's favorite songs as well. Amen. Welcome to Crosswalk. Dr. Bob Bender, your host, and so glad you're spending time with us, whether you're on the road, whether you're in the home, whether you're listening to us over the internet from all over the world. Hello, world. (laughs) Glad you're a part of this program. It's my joy to join you each and every week, twice a week, Thursdays and Fridays, here at 100.7 the Word. Well, talking about the Word this morning, I was praying through Matthew 26 and verse 40. It uh, speaks to Jesus taking Peter, James, and John into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went there often, by the way, and he Brought them there, of course, went even further to pray, not my will, but yours be be done. And he comes back to the three who are asleep. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's so many different directions we can go there. But the direction I want to go there with this verse is by throwing some numbers at you. 3, 12, 120, 3,000. There's also a, a couple of numbers in between here. There is the 70, there is the 500. But these numbers are reflective of Jesus' ministry. I have here in my studio, Brandon Shoup, pastor of Story Church. Brandon, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Great to be here. You bet. I love you, appreciate you, pray for you all the time. You have a significant ministry in our church, in our city, your church in our city. Do these numbers resonate with you as a pastor? Uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see where you go with it, but I've got some ideas for sure. <laughs> well, hey, your ideas don't count. It's my show, so what I say is we're going to go. Jesus, Brandon, had garden friends. Right. I call them his garden friends, Peter, James, and John, and he had them close to him. Then he had the 12, obviously he discipled. The 120 was the beginning of the worship experience, which grew to 3,000. Right. In between, there was the 70 he sent and the 500 that he manifested himself to in his post-resurrection right. life. And so the direction I'm going with this, Brandon, is... All of us need people at these different levels in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody needs garden friends. Yep. People you're close with. Yep. 
And I'm not close to you, Brandon. I, I would, I would, you'd be, you'd be one of my twelve. Would okay, that be okay? Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll, we'll see if we can like throw a steak dinner in here somewhere and see if I can move up the list. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you buy, you're 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 in the three. Um, everybody needs close friends. Somebody they can reach out to. Brandon, we have I have about five. We have vacation together every summer for like forty years. Yeah. It's great. Roommates in college, you know, the friends you make early in ministry, you keep. So I could pick up the phone and talk to them about anything. I have just, uh, you know, people in town I'm accountable to. And then there's that 12, that discipleship group, that that kind of larger group that you right. really dig deep. Yep. And then the 120, I, can't, I think, could represent either a church or a large life group, you right. know, where you can. In fact, I believe psychologically, someone said, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they know what they're talking about. You can really only know yeah. about 120 people by yeah. by name in, yep. in, a, in a even in a surface kind of way, right? And so, and then you have the church that grew to 3,000. So, I, I guess my point, Brandon, is to our listeners: Do you first of all do you have garden friends? Yeah, you can really take important. anywhere with you, share anything you can. Yep, intimacy, intimate, you see. And then are you a part of a smaller group digging into God's Word? Are you part of a life group that might be larger? Or these could be the same thing. Depends on how deep your life group goes. And do you have a worship experience? Mm-hmm. And are you in a body of believers who's reaching people? Yeah. Growing yep. the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I, there's actually a book uh, really? about this exact topic. Called, Did I write it or who wrote that a guy one? Named, I, I believe his name is Ken Myers. Ken Myers. The, the, the book is called The Search to Belong, and okay. he unpacks the four sociological spaces that you just outlined. Wow, so wow. There's the, and he, he ties it to sociological studies as well as the life of Jesus. And in the, in his, the way he talks about it is you have public spaces, yeah. groups of 200 or more. You have social spaces, groups of up to about a 200. You have personal spaces, that traditional sort of life group, small group size. And then you have intimate spaces where it's the three closest friends. So, and there's different types of information you share in those spaces. There is different levels of intimacy and trust in those Mm -hmm. spaces. And the, the thing about it is the way that Jesus modeled this for us is actually how we all need to know how to belong. It's, Mm -hmm. we have to have all of those things in our life in an appropriate ratio to feel right. like we have a sense of community. Yes, yes. I'm reminded of James, what is it, James five sixteen? Confess yeah. your faults one to another, and you may be healed. Yeah. If you want to be forgiven, confess your sins to God. If yep. You want to be healed. You got to talk to one sins, another. Confess your faults yeah. and sins that so we can share blind spots that we have seeing each yeah. other and grow. Iron sharpens iron. Yep. Iron sharpens iron. Okay, Brandon. Here's the deal. I've done a little little study here of the uh, churches in the New Testament. I have a a theory okay. that just as individuals have a gift mix, a spiritual gift mix, or a DNA, sure. uh, mine would be a spiritual gift mix of, of leadership, pastor, teacher, service and giving sure but what are your spiritual gifts by the way i didn't yeah know I, I would i would align with that leadership pastor teaching serving excuse me teaching and pastoring um giving and um i have a little bit of an apostolic edge where okay. i like to start things oh don't a lot. you know it we're going to talk about that that's no surprise that's interesting I, I affirm that i affirm that well let me let me kind of go down these churches and see if if you can agree with me I hope you do it's my my show it's your probably. show okay <laughs> Agree Let's with go. Me. Okay. <laughs> or challenge me, should you like. Anyway, 
I believe churches have, each church has its own gift mix and its own DNA. Mm. And I think just as individuals stay in your lane, bro, <laughs> mm-hmm. we are most effective when we stay in our lanes. Yeah, I believe sure. churches are the same way. For sure. So here, here's, get your take on this. First of all, there's the Jerusalem church. It was, it was the traditional church. Today, it's represented by, I call it old first. Okay. I'm telling you, Brandon, old first is having problems across our nation. Mm. A, a, a doctoral friend of mine did a study on all the Southern Baptists, I'm Southern Baptist, all the Southern Baptist churches east of I-35, county seat, Southern Baptist church east of I-35 in Texas. Mm. How many of them are growing? Zero. Yeah. None. All of them had plateaued or declining. So tradi- the traditional old old first has, has some challenges. They're going to have to reinvent themselves, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Ephesus, the church at Ephesus was the active church. Jesus said in Revelation, man, you're so active, you're doing this and doing that, but you've left your church, your first love. Mm. That, that'd be a Baptist church, man. We're active as we can get. <laughs> the Corinthian church was a charismatic church. Yeah. They happen to be the most carnal, but they're not related. The, <laughs> the Philippian church was relational. They had joy. They had unity. The Galatian church was legalistic. Paul had to bring up the task, hey, you, you get some legalism here. The Antioch church was missional. It was the sending church. The Colossae church was a synchristic church. They had let Gnosticism and all kinds of other cultural influences influence who they were. And that that happens today in new work and tribal areas where the the world kind of creeps in with their thoughts. Laodicea was the rich church. Wouldn't Mm. you love to be a pastor of that church? Sure. But it was poor. Right. And, and spiritually. spiritually. And the Rome church, of course, was the was the persecuted church. And Thessalonica was the enthusiastic evangelistic church. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? How they're, they're different. Absolutely. All serving a different purpose in their different specific contextual cultural context. And yeah. it's important. Many streams, one river. Yeah. So we're going to get to your church. We're going to get to Story Church. Yeah. I'm going to ask you in a moment how you all fit in the stream of God's river and what's your DNA and your contribution to our city, which is great. That's why I have Brandon as uh, my interviewee today. Come back and hear some amazing stories from Story Church. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Closer than a Amen. Praise the Lord. Today is a good day to praise the Lord. Hope you're praising the Lord every day. Hope you wake up praising him, go to sleep praising him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, Brandon, let me get your take on my little Devo on the churches of the New Testament world. And then secondly, uh, where does Story Church fit in this paradigm? Yeah, I, I was actually interested. I, I hadn't heard it broken down quite that same way. You hear about the six churches in, in Revelation. You look at different components of those things, and you see some of their flaws, obviously. Um, but I hadn't seen it taken, uh, taken apart just quite this way. I thought it was really insightful. But I would say for us as Story Church, we're kind of a combination. We, we definitely have the Philippian side of things where we're very relational. We have the Corinthian thing where hopefully not the carnality. The, yeah, definitely the carnality. Well, <laughs> honestly, that's you're not far off. Like the folks that we're reaching, like there's, there's hey, they just haven't church, been buddy. in church. Um, we we decided we were going after the duns, the people that were like, I might be okay with Jesus, maybe the Bible, church, politics, all that. I'm out. Okay. And so it turns out that when you go after those people, God gives them to you. Yep. 
So and it's but, messy. It is, but we but there's also like one of our values is vibrant spirituality. So hey, we, repeat we that. put a is one of our values is vibrant spirituality. Good. And so we we put a priority on on, on, on making space for the Holy Spirit to be a part of we want to make sure that we are asking God or excuse, what he's doing rather than asking him to bless what we want to do. And then I think the third thing is we want to really live into that Antioch church. We want yeah. to be missional. We want to be diverse. That was the first place where diversity really existed in mm-hmm. the New Testament. And uh, it's also where what, what became the mission sending center of the entire New Testament of yeah. Acts because they, they were willing to give away their best. Mm-hmm. And the best was who? Paul and Barnabas. I mean, you, you, you're a senior pastor. You understand it's like, can you imagine being the senior pastor of that church and saying, hey, my best two people, you guys go. Wow. But that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. That's the generosity of God. Amen. And I see the Thessalonican stream as well, the vibrancy, the excitability, the evangelistic fervor. Sure. Thessalonica, sure. it said, uh, the word of your faith has resonated out mm. throughout yeah. the New Testament world. Yeah. and. Certainly, that's what's happening at Story Church. And how old is this church? Well, we are about to turn three. Okay, wow. The so, so word toddler. Learning we're to walk. Figuring out how to walk, not to bump into things as often as we used to, that kind of thing. So are you the founding pastor then? I am. Wow, yeah. how exciting. I, I'm i not a missionary. I'm not a church starter. I, I, you know, I kind of was in that space. Yeah. You know, you got to stay in your lane, bro. When you exactly. find out how God has wired you, don't try to be somebody or not. Right. Just uh, allow God to use you like you are. Right. So you have this uh, apostolic, entrepreneurial spirit evidently about you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be starting a church. Right. Either that or I'm just dumb. Okay, it's one dumb, of the, dumber than a that, rock. Yeah, that, that may that's be the word on that's, the street that's too, certainly part of it. We overcome those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. How exciting. And what DNOM is Story Church affiliated with? Yeah, we're actually kind of a hybrid. Okay. So we are part of the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, um, which is the, one of the largest church planting organizations in America. We've planted over 1,000 churches in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, just in, the, in North America. But we're also part of a partnership that exists with the Wesleyan denomination. Mm-hmm. We're one of, right now, five churches in America that are Wesleyan and ARC. Wow. So it's cool. a, kind of a cool. unique space for us. That's a good combo plate. Yes. Two, two good people groups. Yes, absolutely. Well, how the Lord prepared you to pastor and start Story Church? Is this your first gig or what were you before? This is my first uh, lead pastor role for okay. sure. I've been in ministry for almost 30 years. Um, wow. And I've done. Like you're 30 years old, man. Well, you start will, being a cradle? You know what? You just moved into my three. <laughs> you just moved into my three. <laughs> the name cost you steak dinner. <laughs> no, I started out. I've done kind of everything there is to do in the church outside of children's ministry and. I'm called to children's ministry for Grant and Jackson, my two sons, and that's it. Um, but I've been a worship pastor. I've been a creative director. I've been a communications director. I've been uh, a worship pastor, a um, executive pastor. I've done a bunch of different things. And eventually the Lord uh, got it through my thick skull that this is what I was actually called to do. And, and much of that was preparation, obviously. Sure, yes. Um, never a waste of experience. Yeah, but I think there was, I think, if I'm honest, there were some spaces in which I was hiding from mm-hmm. this. I was, I was nervous. Like the idea of planning a church was terrifying to me. Um, and, and moving back to my hometown to plant a church uh, was even more terrifying yeah, for prophet's me. prophet's not accepted in his own country, right? Yeah. But you've, you've been well accepted. And so, wow, that's that's exciting. And tell us about your church. What, how to, you know, what specifically, what lane are you in, and what impact are you making in our city? I want our hearers to hear this. Yeah, well, I think we 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 almost stumbled into it. Um, you know, sometimes Brandon, 
we find God's mission. Yeah. And sometimes God's mission finds us. Yeah. Yeah. And I certainly there's a combination there, but this, this component of what we do was certainly the latter. Um, we launched in the middle of COVID. And mm-hmm. so the, all of the plans and the playbook for how you do outreach and the different things that you would do as a normal church planner, we weren't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I felt honestly outreach deficient. Mm-hmm. I felt like we weren't doing our job. And I was like, Lord, you've got to help us. You've got to open up some lanes for us. And so we just prayed a lot and asked him to open some things up and be careful what you ask for. Mm-hmm. So I thought we, we moved into the Southeast side of the city. We, we felt called to that part of, portion of our city intentionally. And I thought we would plan a church and eventually build some rapport in the community. And maybe someday we'd have some, some influence on maybe interrupting gang violence or helping with recovery lanes or something like that. And it turns out that the Lord really flipped that. Uh, and what has happened is he's opened up those spaces for us. And now we're trying to figure out how to build a healthy church out of recovery and out of, uh, out of some gang ministry and out of just being a part of our community. And so uh, we got invited into a space um, about four months into our church plant, uh, a guy named DeAndre Smith, who's a community leader here in the Springs, um, approached me and said, hey, I- I'm going to try and get a bunch of gang leaders together around the table and talk. Would you be praying? I was like, I think prayer would be appropriate yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, do a lot of that, in fact. <laughs> and then uh, and then he said, and would you like to be a part of that? And I said, yeah, of course I would. Now, that was already on your radar, or what? Was that you know, the first seed that was planted? I believe it was on my radar. That that's wow. The Lord saved me out of some similar circumstances wow. when I was in high school. And I thankfully, by the grace of God, I I never got in. I never got caught for the things that I was responsible for. And then the Lord rescued me before I made an even bigger mess of my life. And so that's always been a part of my heart. And having a diverse church has always been part of what God has called me to do. Um, but I really thought it would be five, seven, ten years down the yeah, road, yeah. not four months into the journey. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, God's timing is always good when we look back on it and yeah. can validate and verify that. Yeah. Well, briefly, give me give me your testimony. Yeah, well, I I was raised in the church. I was raised in a little Lutheran church down on South Eighth Street, uh, which, which is now it was Bethany Lutheran. It's Beth- now a climbing gym. Um, okay, and I was in church every Sunday. I was an acolyte. I was an altar boy. I did all the things, and I believed in God, but sort of transcendent, ethereal, blind yeah. watchmaker God. Yeah, and so I did. If you would have said the words relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. I would have looked at you as if you were speaking Mandarin. Wow. Um, it just wasn't on my radar at all. And so I didn't think that God cared about me. So I returned the favor, um, was in trouble pretty significantly from the time I started drinking pretty heavily in about the seventh grade. Mm. And by the time I was in high school, I was getting expelled. I got expelled twice my junior year. Well, which high school did you go to? Uh, I went to Wasson. Wasson, yeah. yeah. Um, and I did a good, I did such a good job of making problems there that it doesn't even exist yeah, anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> if, if Brandon's gone, we have to cave it in. Yeah. So I, I got in a bunch of trouble and then... I'm one of the few examples of successful missionary dating. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I had a, there was a girl I was interested in and her parents were wise enough to say, you can hang out with that guy at church. Wow. And so I started going to church, started going to youth group with her, figured out that there was the possibility of having a relationship with the creator of the universe and that there was purpose beyond that. And it really absolutely changed my life. And you're what, junior in high school? What? Sophomore, how old were you? I was a junior in high school wow, at that point. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Got yeah. hard saved, did you? Yes. Amen. Yes. Same here. I was a sophomore, got hard saved, changed the direction of my life. But now the ministry wasn't on your radar then. That that came later. You know, I. it's funny you say that because I kind of think that I've known 
my whole life. Wow. I remember sitting in church as like a nine or 10 year old and the pastor was giving his little sermon. Mm -hmm. And I remember turning to my mom and saying, I'm going to do that someday. Wow. And then as soon as the word, like, you know, that thought bubble moment, I was like, that's not me. I don't want to do that. What are you talking about? Lo and behold, that's where you wound up. We're going to hear Brandon's story, how God married his story with an opportunity to impact our city. And we look forward to your returning with us in a moment. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back, team. Good to have you as a part of our program this evening. Brandon Shoup, pastor of Story Church. Not storied. Church. No, not, not story. storyline church. Correct. But story church. Yes. Of the Wesleyan and Ark tradition. And my impression of the Wesleyans is they're not only biblical, but they're culturally relatable. They want to, mm. what, engage our culture, impact our culture? Is that a fair assessment? I, I think impact is probably a better way uh, of saying it. There, you know, there's such a holiness component to mm. it that engaging in culture is is a little tricky for them sometimes. I understand completely. Um, but want to, want to shift culture, want to, want to re- maybe a better way of saying it is being part of God's plan to redeem and reconcile and make good. all things new. Good, good. You bet. You bet. Engage to transform, not just engage to engage. Yeah. Yeah. Bet. So how does story church then fit in to that? You alluded to uh, a gang ministry. I, I assume every, Every city has gangs. I just uh, was not aware that was even an issue in Colorado Springs. But yeah. you're, you're one of our own. Perhaps you've had your hand on that pulse for some time, not yeah. being one yourself, of course. Yeah. Well, it, it is a significant problem here in Colorado Springs. Um, any mid to large city is going to have uh, gang-related issues. Uh, the neighborhood we're in is one of the foremost challenging neighborhoods in our city, uh, probably one of the top 10 neighborhoods of, that have challenging outcomes in our state. Um, so whether you're talking about uh, addiction outcomes, educational outcomes, marital outcomes, violence outcomes, all of those things, gang violence, all those things are are, are sort of baked into um, some of the components of our neighborhood. And th- there's all kinds of issues that influence that. Obviously, there's poverty issues. There are educational issues. There are all kinds of things that play into that. But- is there... Is there- a search for identity and belonging issue as well? Or Absolutely. what's the motivation? You know, you why, know would, why would a person join a gang yeah, other I, than just, I guess, being mean? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think there's there's two big components to it. Uh, one is purely pragmatic. Um, I got to find a way to put food on the table. Wow. Um, and the other is more sociological, and I want to be part of something. I want to belong. And like we know that there's a fatherless crisis mm-hmm. in America right mm-hmm. now and in the inner city that is exacerbated even mm-hmm. more but um, but I actually think that mm-hmm. a lot of these gang leaders could teach us some things as as church leaders and so when when DeAndre put this together th- almost three years ago now we were able to get the 16 major gang leaders around the table for the first time I for would the guess. first time like these guys shouldn't be on the same neighborhood let alone on the same room or on the same wow. table and you were at that first meeting i was not at the first one i was at yeah. the third one was i it got still called tense? In from the, it was very tense wow. there were there was seri- there were there were evenings where i was telling my wife and i meet with them every tuesday night um I, there were, there were times where i said okay babe you got to you got to be praying and get some people to pray cuz there's some heat and i'm not sure what's going to happen tonight no guns allowed hopefully 
that may be an unwritten rule uh, that is not followed, whether it's okay. written or not. But um, <laughs> but we just actually had our third annual um, Thanksgiving dinner that we host for them um, at the church. Them being who? Gang leaders, gang members, and their families in the community. And so I think we had about 200 wow. uh, of them this last uh, Sunday afternoon, um, and we've had between two and 300 each time of the last three years. How many gangs did that represent? About 15. 15 gangs. Um, How tense was that? The the first one was a little, uh, we just weren't sure what was going to happen. We knew that it was either going to be really beautiful or we were going to make we national news yeah. <laughs> and for not the right reasons. But we had we had 30 gang leaders at that, and they all stood on our stage and made professions that said, I've... In their own ways, they said, I've been taking from the community for the last 20 or 30 years. It's time for me to start giving back. And wow. they have figured out. So this group is called the Men of Influence. And that's what they've named. They're, they're trying to use the influence that they have on the street to make positive change. And so one of the things that we mm-hmm. did is that we created a safe zone. We said uh, shootings are off limits at Memorial Park now. So gang-related wow. shootings are off limits at Memorial Park. And since these guys, I could go in and say that and no one would pay any attention, but because these guys are leaders on the streets, Mm -hmm. they're using the influence that they have. And there has not been a single gang related shooting at Memorial Park in almost three years now. Wow. And before I'm sure it was commonplace and I could go, I could drive you by there right now, uh, just about any time of the day and point out a handful of drug deals or whatever that's going on. And there, there is still violence that takes place. There's still nefarious activity for sure, but there has not been a gang related shooting in that space Mm -hmm. in almost three years because of what these guys are doing. And I think that's what I just want to be careful to be, uh, I want to make sure I I put credit where it's due. First of all, the Lord is doing this. Mm -hmm. Second of all, um, this is their work that I've been invited into. Mm -hmm. This wasn't my idea. This wasn't my, I didn't like, Hey guys, let's go charge this hill together. Mm -hmm. We just said yes when we got invited. Mm -hmm. And then we were faithful to show up when we were asked to. And then when we were invited into deeper spaces, we said yes again. So that's, that's really how it worked. We prayed. I told Mm -hmm. you we felt that outreach deficient. We prayed, Lord, open some doors. And then when he opened them, we said, yes. Then we listened. I didn't say a word in those meetings for months outside mm-hmm. of introductions. And then after listening and gaining trust and building rapport, then when we were invited into deeper spaces, we said yes again. And and after the first Thanksgiving dinner, those guys made me their pastor. Wow. They went around the room and, and said, hey, we, we trust you. We believe in you. Some of them said, hey, I don't want you to preach at me. I'm not coming to your church, mm-hmm. but I trust you. Mm-hmm. And And I'm... This is the weirdest business card ever, but I'm a, like the gang pastor of Colorado Springs, not because I said so, but mm-hmm. because they invited me into that space and we earned their trust by listening to them. And here's what I learned, Bob, is that I, I mentioned this a moment ago, the, the pragmatic side of this. One of the things I learned is these guys aren't any different than you and I. Wow. They're trying to figure out how to get their kids out of high school safe and into college. They're trying to figure out how to keep their marriage or their relationships together. They're trying to figure out how to put food on the table mm-hmm. and a roof over their of their family's head. Now their their income uh, their their revenue generating strategies may be different than ours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're trying to just live their lives, and now they're figuring out. Oh, I'm actually getting more respect and more rapport for doing good on the streets than I was for being feared on mm-hmm. the streets, mm-hmm. and that's a really powerful shift in these guys. It's been really beautiful to watch, and we're just grateful to be a part. Well, absolutely. So sounds like you got. Age range from teenagers to 40s or something, or what? Yeah, uh, probably 20s-somethings to 40s, mostly the older guys. Uh, the younger guys are still – that's 
that's where all the action is taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to like reach out with the OGs, the original gangsters, the guys who are the, the leaders of their individual gang mm-hmm. sets and trying to use their influence kind of top down and say, Hey guys, we're trying to do something different. You don't have to shoot one another. And initially the whole goal was just, Hey, could we get you to pick up a phone before you pick up a gun? Mm-hmm. If so, if you hear about something crazy, if you're frustrated, mm-hmm. whatever, please just pick up a phone. Mm-hmm. And we started there, built trust. And, uh, I could tell you specific stories of, uh, of violence that we interrupted. Wow. Um, there was, we, I know of, of drive-by shootings that were stopped because of what we've done. Wow. I know of retaliations that were stopped mm-hmm. because of the conversations we were able to have. In fact, I, there's this one story, yeah. uh, there was one of these guys and I, he'll remain nameless for his sake, but he's maybe the most feared and mo- most respected gang leader in Colorado Springs. Wow. And someone had the audacity to do a drive-by on his house. And thankfully, no one got hurt. But you don't do that sort of thing no. without expecting immediate and serious yes. violent consequences. Mm-hmm. And so we got him and his family and the family of the shooters in a room. I, we were in the middle of a Wednesday night service. I had somebody else take the service. We went into a different room and negotiated peace between wow. these two families. And there On was your not property. They came. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In, in what we call our community room. Wow. And so I sat there with about 30 gang leaders that night and these two families, and we were able to, to come to a, a, a resolution where we didn't have violent repercussions, which wow. was incredible. And, and it, that was actually the first time that I ever, and this would have been, probably a good year into our relationship, maybe a little bit longer. That was the first time I ever preached at them at all because someone, one of the younger guys was like, man, it's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth out here. And I said, let me, let me finish that after the break. But there's, there's a beautiful way of, of helping them see what the scripture actually meant in that That's moment. That's right. That's right. Wonderful. Total life change with the gospels. All we're talking about with Brandon Shoup, story church pastor. Join us for our last session. And we'll tell you some more war stories. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back, team. Good to have you here. Crosswalk, 100.7, The Word. Got a rock star here in the studio, Brandon Shoup. Saved right here in Colorado Springs and raised here and starting a church, started a church. Uh, We'll talk more about their transition here in a moment. But continue that story with this fellow who quoted the Bible, didn't know it, I guess. Yeah, he he wanted revenge. And he said, well, it's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Lex Talionis, right? And and I said, hey, is it cool if I just maybe unpack that a little bit for you and tell you what that really means. And he didn't realize the scripture at first. I said, so, so Jesus is talking in Matthew 20, 28, excuse me, Matthew 18 about how to resolve conflict. And, you know, we go to one another and then we bring two three witnesses that doesn't work. And then we take it beyond there. But it, it's, it's a specific reference back to the Levitical code and how we would, how we would deal with two or three witnesses. Every matter must be established by two or three witnesses. The quote that Jesus uses there. Yeah. And the specific cross-reference that he uses, the context is that when there's two people who can't get along and they've gone through this process and they get to the judge portion, and then if it is found to be that one of them is lying about the other, mm-hmm. then it is an eye for an eye and a tooth for it. Then all bets are off because, because God so values community, mm-hmm. so recognizes the power of community that, uh, that, that he, 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 he has to be harsh 
with people who are going to lie about one another, are going to gossip about one another. I think we think about gossip sometimes as, oh, that's not that big of a deal. It's destructive. It tears people apart. And when we don't get that right, we end up looking for revenge when we, and miss opportunities for reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And so that was actually the very first time I got to sort of open the Bible for any of them at all. And it was that none of them had ever heard that before. And so it gave them kind of a new paradigm. Oh, and it also gave them Jesus's fashion and his way for handling conflict. Let's, yeah. Hey, let's go have a one-on-one conversation. Let's have a man-to-man conversation. Mm-hmm. If you did something that bothers me, I need to have the, the gumption to have a conversation with yeah. you. And then if that doesn't work, then let's talk about witnesses. But let's not just jump from, I'm frustrated with you. I heard this rumor. Somebody's talking noise, whatever. Yeah, take an to... atom bomb after an anthill. Exactly. And I'm sure the gangs valued communities. So you speak in their language. Absolutely. And, and in some ways, I think, I think they understand community and loyalty better than some of us as Christians do. And here's my thing. If we can get rival gang leaders to come together and not just talk, but actually begin to build community together and actually shift culture in our city, it sure seems like we ought to be able to get different churches and different pastors and different congregations to come together around the same mission. Yeah, yeah, you would think. And we're doing a pretty good job of it. You know, we, in some we ways, we really are. We're, we're, yes, get, we're getting there. For haven't sure. arrived yet, but we're getting there. Well, that's powerful, the changes that are taking place. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I were reminded that Jesus shows up at Matthew's party, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, uh, who knows what, yeah. and begins to relate to them just like you and others in your faith community are right. at Story Church. What's a future Story Church? Well, we, we're really excited right now. We just had a, another church merge with us. And, um, and so the beautiful thing about that is that they, next year will be three years old. Next year, they'll be 120 years old. Wow. And so we've got this beautiful legacy of faith that we're joining. And then there's some vibrancy and life that they are joining. And so there's these great solid spiritual bones and new life being breathed into that. And just from a pragmatic standpoint, they have a facility that is paid for, whereas we've been renting for the last three years. And so this, we're right in the middle of renovations. We're about to move into that facility and make that our, our next home. And, uh, I actually came here. I've got some paint on my fingers still We're I'm half, I was joking with you that I'm half contractor, half pastor right now, but we're excited about that. We, we're going to have our first official service over there on December 3rd, wow. um, in the new location, in the new location. It won't be done. There's still plenty of renovations to be done, but it'll be functional enough that we can meet there. Cool. And it's address. It uh, five hundred two North Walnut. It's at the corner of Walnut and Saint Vrain, just out, just outside of downtown. Cool, and that'll free up so much money for ministry and yes. staff. Yes. Wow, what a great future! Yeah, it's and, a huge blessing. And there's always challenging of uh, challenges of merging for sure. You know, it's like kind of a blended family. Yep. But hey, if they're spirit filled, have a common vision, it's going to work. Yep. Just yeah, and increase your base. We've been we've been so so amazed at how God has has worked this so far. You always expect animosity. You always expect some level of frustration. Mm-hmm. And nothing is ever perfect. Sure, yeah. But the level of unity that we're experiencing wow. right now, the level of momentum we're experiencing right now, is something I think that only the Holy Spirit could, could yeah, manufacture. Absolutely. We'll give him the credit. So you all have worshiped together? We have. So they've moved over to our facility for the last month or so mm-hmm. um, while we're doing renovations at theirs. And 
it's been great. It's been really, and we've, you know, you talked about the, the blending of families, the, the metaphor that we've used is when you get married, maybe you have a different Christmas morning tradition. Like some families, you know, open presents on Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve and just have breakfast on Sunday morning Mm -hmm. or Christmas morning. And some do one present on Christmas Eve and the others, you have to figure those things out together when you're, you're moving in and establish your own new traditions as a family. And so there's some things from their traditions that we've incorporated into our services and our, our, our expressions and some things that we're doing that they're learning how to grow into. But what's exciting is that both bodies have had for their entire existence, a real heart for the margins. And so one of the things that they've done, same DNA. Yeah. And so like they, they have a a ministry called, they partner with called more than a meal that every Saturday morning in the parking lot, they they feed these guys. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the church. I, wow. Yeah. Go there and feed, feed the homeless. Wow. Yeah. It's coming to me now. Sure. I I kind of come in the back way and kind of didn't get the, the address. Wow, they they really impact our city through that. They that really is a do, great and ministry. and we've had a heart for recovery ministry. We host the city's largest Narcotics Anonymous group every Monday night. Wow! But they host uh, some sort of recovery group seven days a week. Wow! And so there's this beautiful marriage that's taking sure. place, and I can't wait to see what God does through this new combined strength of a family. Synergy, yes, yeah. a greater base and more effective ministry. Sounds like you'll be able to keep your identity then. Yes, which is important. Yeah. And they've been fantastic. I mean, and kind of low hanging fruit. The name of their church was Legacy. Mm-hmm. So we're we're telling God's story, right? And carrying forward the legacy of faith that that they have invested in for 120 years. That's wow. significant. Their story, your story, God's story. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about how the gospel's penetrating these these gangs. Have you had any fruit? Yeah. Uh, you know, do they come to your church? I think that's. Important, it's not yeah, I, for them too, and, of course. But yeah, I, I would I'm say that, that they here's and they're probably if they're listening right now, they're going to get a kick out of this. Uh, they're being discipled, whether they know it or not. Mm. And and so there is there are some there's some mile markers along the discipleship pathway, like salvation, like baptism, those yep. sorts of things. But there's a lot of pre-conversion discipleship. Has to there's go a on. lot of that going people, on. People make many many decisions before yes. they make the big one. Yes. And, and so there, we're, we're working on that and we've had, you know, I've been able to baptize a couple of their wives, a couple of their kids. Great, we have, great. we'll have some intermittent attendance from those guys, but I feel like, and, and, and I correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like my role in this is to be faithful to them mm-hmm. and to, and to be a faithful model of yes, the gospel. Yes. We, we're really good at running our mouths yep, sometimes. Yep. And I, I'd rather, and I think what one of the guys said this to me once. There was a guy that had come in um, who was another believer, and and he just he didn't listen to anybody. He just talked the mm-hmm. whole time, and yeah. he had the answers for everything. Okay. And this guy, and, and this is one of the guys that is has been initially the most closed to faith. Wow. But he he leaned over to me in the middle of the meeting. He goes, "That's why I love you because you don't do that." Wow, that's powerful. That We're just trying to powerful. build a relationship and build trust, and and let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Do you know what the Islamist terrorist mantra is? I don't. A thousand years is nothing to us. Oh, right. A thousand right. years is nothing to us. I yeah. think if we can embrace that mm. and don't vomit on people, but drip on people and be yeah. patient with folks, and if they haven't received Christ early, let's keep after it. Well, what what would one word you'd have for our listeners, Brandon? Mm. What would it be from your heart, from your ministry, uh, What your, your story, just a final word? Yeah. There's a scripture that says, 
always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Great. Which means you got to live in hope. Yep. And Amen. have a life that is worth asking questions about. Amen. And would be willing, bold enough to share the gospel with your life and yes, your Yes, sir. Brandon, you're a rock star. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening, team. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.